you are being manipulated. Now, I know if you're in a relationship with an addict or an alcoholic or other type of narcissist, you're like, no kidding. I know I'm being manipulated. But I'm going to talk with you today about the sneaky, sneaky ways that you're being manipulated that you don't even realize that you're being manipulated so that you can take your power back and have the healthy, happy relationships you deserve. I wish I had music right now, like just cue the music, bring up the sound and cue the fireworks because some truth bombs are about to go off. So I got so fired up about this sermon that I want to deliver to you today about how you're being manipulated. I made some notes because I really didn't want to forget anything. I'm Heidi Rain, by the way, if you're new here, welcome home. This is Addiction and Codependency Breakthrough, where I give you this, this sanity and the strategy and the support that you need to deal with the addict, alcoholic, narcissist, or other toxic person in your life so that you can get your life back. So the first way, okay, there's going to be three things I'm going to tell you. The first way that you're being manipulated more than you think is because even though you know the addict or an alcoholic is lying to you, like you keep asking yourself, you, you say things like, just tell me the truth. I want you to think about that for a minute. How many times have you said to an addict or an alcoholic, just tell me the truth? Just tell me you're drinking. Just tell me that you stopped off. Just tell me you went to the gas station. Just tell me that you did the internet search. Just tell me that you did the thing. If you are asking an addict or an alcoholic to just tell you the truth, there's a part of you that doesn't realize that addiction speaks in the language of lies. And that's how you're being manipulated. A person who understands when an addict opens their mouths, who's actively addicted, that the only thing that can come out is a lie, you stop looking for the truth in the land of lies. You restore your sanity back. But here's how it speaks to you in ways that you actually believe it. Here's how addiction talks to you in the, in the land of lies. It'll say things like, I'm doing better. Now, you might look at them and go, well, you are doing a little better. Last week, you drank this much, and this week, you only drank this much, and last week, you had that amount, that kind of liquor, and this week, you're only doing this kind, so you are doing better. Honey, alcohol isn't a game of doing better. It's like if I have Alzheimer's, and one day, you know, I'm losing my mind, okay? But one day, when I have the Alzheimer, Alzheimer's, I remember your name, and I'm like, oh my God, you're, yeah, you're, you're my sister. I see you. Wow, it's all coming back to me now. Do I magically not have Alzheimer's anymore? No, I still have it. It's just my symptoms are a little less severe that day. If I have cancer and one day I'm like, I'm, I'm doing better today. I'm feeling, do I magically think the cancer has disappeared? No, I know logically I still have cancer. And so I just know that, hey, today is not as severe of a day as my symptoms as it was yesterday. And the same is true with addiction and alcoholism. I'm doing better today is a so the fuck what? You still are actively addicted. It doesn't matter if you drank a lot of it or a little bit. So you get manipulated, you see, when you fall into that lie and you go, oh yeah, they are doing better today. No, they're not. The only way they're doing better today is if they're actively working a recovery and sobriety is the bare minimum. Another thing we believe and lie that we hear that addicts tell us is how you get manipulated is they say things to you like, I can control this. Maybe you have a really strong personality. I just got off of a session with a couple where I was working with a couple 
because he had just got out of treatment and I was setting up a boundary with them, like a plan B, right? For like, hey, what are we going to do? Okay, plan A is that you get out of treatment, you do the damn thing, you're doing great. And I was supporting her as the wife to say, well, what's plan B? And he was so angry. He didn't even want to go there. Well, I'm not planning to fail. Um, you know, I, I can control this. I'm not as bad as everybody else I saw. I went to treatment and I saw people that were really bad and I'm not as bad as everybody else and got really angry and pissed off about that. But here's the truth. That's the language of addiction. The lie is it's not as bad as I think it is. The lie is I can control it, but we get manipulated when we believe those things. Oh, maybe you can control it. You're a really strong person. You you have motivation. I mean, I can look at you and know you're motivated and have motivation. You're a strong human being. You're like really powerful, of course, but addiction doesn't care how powerful you are. It doesn't care how resolved you are. It cares how deep into recovery you go, not how much you want to get sober, but how much you work to get sober. Want and work are two totally different things. They say things like another lie that you get manipulated by is when somebody says, I don't even want to use or drink. Well, maybe today you don't. Congratulations. I don't want to eat French fries today either, but I know next week I will. It's common knowledge that I know that eventually I'm going to crave that thing that has been a part of my life for so long. And so will the person who's addicted. So just the first thing, I know I'm coming at you like a fire hose today, but I I want you, why am I doing this? Why am I speaking so passionately about this? Why am I so fervently trying to help you see the ways in which you're getting manipulated and the ways you don't even realize is because when you get manipulated this way, when, when the actor alcoholic says to you, I'm doing better today, um, I don't even want to drink. Wow. You know, I can control this. I, 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 you know, and, and you want to believe it. What happens is you stop holding people accountable. You stop, hold, you stop remembering or realizing what addiction really is. You fall into this haze of like delusion yourself. And then now if you, especially if you have kids in your household, if you're falling into this manipulative delusion and you're you're under the influence yourself of these lies, then you're not going to be a good support system for your children. You're not going to be a good support system for yourself because you're under this, you're also under the influence. And that's what manipulation is. Manipulation is intoxicating. When I hear it, I want to believe it, right? I want to believe it so badly that it intoxicates me and I start to even act and look for evidence that it's right. It's true that you're doing better today. But then I forget, oh and God, it's like Alzheimer's. You're doing better today, but you, tomorrow's another day. You know, unless you have, there's no cure for Alzheimer's, but there is a cure for addiction and it's active recovery. Thing is, is addiction can go into remission. It never quite goes away, right? Meaning, it's something you're going to have to wrestle with, the people have to wrestle with for the rest of their lives if they're not an alcoholic. But it'll go into remission. And the cool thing is, as long as somebody's working at a recovery actively every day, working on their lives, working on their coping mechanisms, working on their ability to handle and tolerate stress, working on fulfilling their life with things they love and filling up that empty void and all the things, okay? And their coping mechanisms, working on all these things, that addiction will stay in remission but I'm doing better today, isn't a remission plan. White knuckling it and saying, I can control this isn't, an, isn't, a, isn't a recovery plan. In fact, 
the very first step in somebody getting well in their addiction is to recognize that the addiction is controlling them and they have no control. That's how the addict actually comes out of denial is they go, this is bigger than I thought it was. This is more than I know it is. And when I had my session today with the couple, I wasn't judging. There was no judgment. It was an assessment. And I said to him, where you are on your path to recovery, you think you're not as bad as everybody else. And a lot of people believe that when they hear that lie and they get manipulated. Yeah, you're not as bad as that person I know that's homeless or whatever. So we get sucked into it. But what I said to him was, yeah, you're saying you're not as bad. I hear you believe that, you know, that you're not as bad as where everybody else is. But if you underestimate how bad it is and where you are, you will also underestimate the amount of work you need to do to get well. If I go in and I think I have one little spot of cancer, but it's ravished my whole body, that treatment plan is going to look a little different. And addiction is like that. It may show up a little bit right now, but eventually it ravishes if we don't intervene and take control and work a recovery program. So you can't believe the lies when somebody says, I'm I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Not yet, but that's that's where everybody goes to eventually, right? So... That's the first way that you're getting manipulated. Another way that you're getting manipulated that you probably recognize, but probably haven't put into words yet. I I hear this all the time. Well, Heidi, you say what I'm feeling and thinking. And I'm glad about that because I want to help give you a voice to what's really going on. Why? So you know you're not crazy because addiction will make a smart person feel nuts, won't it? It'll make a smart person feel insane. And so I've got you. You're not crazy. You are feeling what you're feeling. You're seeing what you're seeing. It is what it is. And it's probably worse than you actually think it is. That's good news because once you come out of denial, you have a better shot of saving your whole family from falling prey to dying in denial. If you want to go deeper with me at any time and you're curious, like, what is that couple session? That sounds great. I'd love to do something like that with you. I'd love to have you record this session and send so we have it on record. Uh, with my loved one, I'm happy to do that. You can go over to HeidiRain.com and schedule a session with me. First, you book one with yourself so you can tell me all about what's going on. And then we will make a plan for there from there to meet with your partner if necessary. Okay. The second way that you're being manipulated is through this thing, uh, this phenomenon of emotional blackmail. You know, how it sounds is, I'm sorry. But the I'm sorry is always followed by you feeling bad because you see they're apologetic, you see their remorse, they actually mean it, but then nothing changes in their behavior. So you're getting sucked into that manipulation. I'm sorry is a tactic and a tool to get you to shut up, to get you to realize, yeah, I know, I, I, I see I'm screwed. They might even believe it. The apologetic alcoholic, right? That doesn't wake up the next day. They're full of shame. I can't believe what I did. Part of that is true, but it's also a manipulation tactic so that you feel bad that you actually nullify or numbify whatever's happening with them. You're like, well, it really wasn't that bad. It's okay. I know you can do better. I'm so glad you're sorry. And then they're like, whoo, thank God that's over until the next Tuesday night when they're in that same loop all over again. Or you don't accept the apology, okay? And you say, you know what? I'm tired of hearing I'm sorry. I don't want to hear I'm sorry from you anymore. You know what I want to hear from you? Nothing. I want to watch you change, okay? I don't want to hear another word out of your mouth. I just want to see you do the damn thing. And that's the stand that you take. And then you get manipulated because they say things to you like, 
well, if you love me, you would accept my apology. What's wrong with you that you're so cold and, and you're not, you know, you're, you're acting like you don't love me. You're acting like you don't care for me. You're acting like you don't believe me and all that emotional blackmail just to get you to say, well, I forgive you or, okay, I know you're sorry. You actually get to stay in a state of unforgiveness until you learn the lesson that the unforgiveness has to teach you. Okay, sometimes we move too quick to forgive, to sweep it under the rug, to move on to the next thing, where in that state of uh, that that initial state of unforgiveness is the appropriate rage or anger that you need to feel to make change in your life. But an addict or an alcoholic doesn't want you to feel a rage or anger. They want you to feel sorry for them. Because if you're sorry for them, they can get, a, get keep doing what they're doing. But if you're angry, you're going to hold their feet to fire to change. So they're quick to manipulate you into an accepting an apology. Uh, if you really love me, uh, you know, but even if you threaten to leave, if you're like, look, you know, I've learned that the best game plan is you need to go focus on yourself. You know, you need to go into treatment. You need to get your head on straight. And then they say things like to you, like emotional blackmail. How could you leave me at my worst? What's wrong with you that you don't love me for better or for worse? I thought you were different. I can't believe that you would leave somebody when they're struggling this way. And then it starts to seep into your consciousness and you, you're emotionally blackmailed. And you're like, wait a minute, I am a good person. And it creates this cognitive dissonance in you where you're like, well, I guess a good person would stay. No, actually the most loving thing to do sometimes is to leave and let somebody do what they need to do because you're not a treatment center and you're not a sponsor and you're not a halfway house. But you get manipulated into believing you're the only person that can prevent bad things from happening. You are the savior and they need you to stay. Well, I need you. And if you leave me, I w- they'll threaten you. If you leave me, I will fall to pieces. If you leave me, I will hurt myself. If you leave me, bad things will happen. And you believe it. Instead of saying, well, I don't want you to be alone. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm telling you to go to treatment. I'm telling you to get a team of people around you. I don't think you should do this by yourself. I don't think you should be alone. So... Learning how to be strong in your convictions and your ideas and your beliefs, and also understanding best practices of addiction to know what is the best thing or right thing to do in order to get the best result is life-changing for you. Because I know you're constantly second-guessing yourself. Uh, Is the right thing, especially if you're in a relationship that has religion involved, not necessarily spirituality, but like a conviction, like what's the right thing to do? What should a wife do? What should a husband do? What's the righteous, godly thing to do? And I'm saying all this in quotations because we have carved out in our society, we we hold that against, we hold religion against people and use it as a tool so they tolerate abuse. Well, you should tolerate the suffering because a good Christian would. I mean, I could go on and on about how we succumb to this manipulation that's above and beyond even the realm of what we think it is of how much we're being manipulated uh, with the right thing to do. Um, but if you work with somebody who knows these insidious lies, who understands addiction and codependency and how you fall for it and where you get sucked in, then I can help you stand strong in what you believe in and deliver it in the most loving, compassionate, kindest possible way so that you know the boundaries you're, you're setting are right, the way you feel is okay. You are justified in all of this. And what's the best practice to move forward? Again, I just, you know, go book a session. If you feel like you need some strength and you need some courage and you need some sanity and you need somebody to tell you, yeah, you're not, you're not crazy. 
The other thing that way that we get manipulated, this last way is probably the worst way. And I've just seen this recently uh, in one of my sessions. And I'm going to put my put my book away there, bend down because I'm just trying to get serious because this is so, this is pissed me off so bad that I need to, I need to share this with you and I need to like have space to get angry. I'm going to put my stuff away, put my book down, get in the, get here. How an addict or an alcoholic will manipulate you is by using a tactic that's like the red herring tactic. What is the red herring tactic? Well, red herring is a bird that is very beautiful, right? And distracting. When a red herring flies by, all you can see is a red herring. You don't see anything else. You just see that bird flying by. A red herring is a distractor. It's a distracting technique to pull you out of what's really going on to, to, to look, look over here. It's like when a magician does a trick and he doesn't want you to look at the hat. And so the red herring is look at my hand over here so you don't see what this hand is doing under here. Okay, so you get that? All right, let's go with this for a minute. Red herrings are like in a murder mystery when everybody's looking at the maid, all clues are pointing to the maid, but it's actually the butler that did it. But the, 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 they did such a good job of like pointing at the maid, okay? The magician did such a great job of waving his little weird hand around that you didn't see the bunny struggling to get out of the thing, okay? So it's trickery. When I tell you it's trickery, it's trickery. How does this trickery work in your marriage? Through half truths and red herrings. Meaning I know there are other problems in the marriage and in the relationship. One of the ways I just came up in a, in a, in a session the other day, a woman had reached out to me. And by the way, I am a vault. So I, I change details. I will never say a name of anybody I've worked with. You won't see my testimonials all over the place. I mean, unless they really are okay with that. You know, I have hundreds of testimonials that are just anonymous testimonials because I don't, I don't want to, I need to be a vault. You know, my, a lot of people that I work with are very uh, high profile, secret. They don't want people to know what's going on, which is fine. Okay. You got to go somewhere, but I'm just gonna give you the general idea. This is one client, but I've heard this a million times. All right. So it's like a hybrid of everything I've heard that we have so many problems in the marriage, right? We have a lot of problems in the marriage. Addiction is a problem, infidelity or cheat or betrayal or money issues or sex, sex issues or intimacy issues or communication issues. All of these things are very real. And so what'll happen is the husband or the wife who's an alcoholic will say, well, we just need to go into couples counseling because you have your stuff too, right? So the wife goes, or the husband goes, okay, we'll go into couples counseling. Now, meanwhile, you're in couples counseling, whatever that is, you know, you're doing imago work where you're looking at your parents, you're doing like, you know, communication therapy, you're doing, you know, the stalt where you're putting other people in the chair. I mean, you're, you're really working hard in therapy. And then the actual alcoholic is using that intel to do a red herring move to distract you from the real thing that's going on, which is you cannot make massive shifts in, in counseling if the person you are working with in counseling is not emotionally, psychologically, physically, and spiritually, mentally available to have that work take root and hold and mean something. And an active alcoholic is fucking out to lunch. You, you, mean, you, mean to me, you mean to tell me that a therapist, and I've heard a therapist say, well, coming into couples therapy with an active alcoholic is better than them doing nothing. No, it's not. It's not actually better than them doing nothing. Why? Because 
the wife is getting worse. The wife's getting worse. She's in therapy and it's like, why is nobody talking about the alcoholism? Why can't we talk about your drinking? Oh, we got to keep it a secret. That's right. Or when I talk about the drinking, the therapist deflects it into the communication. I mean, it is crazy 2.0. I'm going to ask you right now, if you are in marriage therapy, okay, that you take a pause with an active alcoholic and act not in recovery, but an active alcoholic. You take a pause from that therapy. You invest in your codependency recovery and how this is impacting you and just yourself. Okay. Either you come inside my codependency recovery program course, or you start coaching with me and you recommend you go focus on you. Marriage therapy is not the way right now. It is individual therapy. You go work, do you? And sobriety is the bare minimum. And when you're sober for three to six months and you can handle some of this stuff, then we'll talk about our relationship. Then we'll get into the meat and taters of all this jazz. But but if, if we don't even have the pot ready to hold the meat and taters, what the fuck are we doing? Okay, so they've got to be sober. That's the bare minimum, emotionally, psychologically, mentally stable to work on the deeper issues. And when they're not sober, they're none of the above. Even if they're a periodic alcoholic, even if they only drink every other Tuesday, okay? If somebody's still using, they're still using. So they're not available. doesn't matter how often it is, whatever. That's like saying, I'm not as bad as somebody else. It could be worse. So I want to encourage you. I'm not saying therapy is a bad thing or couples therapy is a bad thing, but it has a, it has, it's a best practice of like, when's it going to be, when's it useful? A person who's actively addicted has no insight or empathy to how they're hurting themselves. How the hell are they going to be in marriage counseling and have empathy and insight into how they're hurting you when they can't even recognize how much they're hurting themselves? Save your money and put it in yourself. Put it, reinvest it back into yourself and your own codependency recovery or, and funnel that into them working on themselves. So I know I've said a lot today. I was coming in hot. I kind of warned you at the beginning, I was coming in hot, but hot for you, on fire for you to wake up, to see what's really going on. It's not your fault that you are in this phase. Manipulation is seductive. It's, it's, we, it's, we want to believe it. It sounds good. It, 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 it's like, it's, it's seducing is what it does. It seduces you in to complacency. It seduces you in to la la land where you're in fantasy world. You don't think it's as bad as it is. I mean, it, it creates so many issues for you. And I want to lift the veil of all the manipulation so you could see things clearly. Now, I want you to go into your day-to-day or your week-to-day, and I want you to listen for these catchphrases of manipulation. I'm doing better today. I'm, I haven't even drank. I, I can control this. Um, I, I'm so much better than I was last week. I had this under control. Um, uh, you don't have any faith in me. Uh, you need to believe in me. If you believed in me more, I'd be able to do this. Uh, you're crazy. I'm really not doing anything. Are you sure you're not the one that's actually doing stuff? Uh, if you keep accusing me of this, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, uh, our problems are an alcohol. I drink because our intimacy sucks and you won't have sex with me. Uh, that's why I'm drinking. So we need to get in couples therapy and you need to figure yourself out and then I'll quit drinking. Uh, all the things that are little half-truths, little red herrings that are distractors. The very first thing we need to do in your family is intervene 
and put our foot down and put a stake in the ground for a sober marriage where if I have access to your mind and your spirit, okay, and your body, then we can get somewhere. But until when, when there's alcohol, it's like a big access denied in front of this person, access denied. So any work you do, it's like the tires are falling off of your car. You've got no tires on your car and you go into the car shop and they go, I think we should change the oil. That's what marriage counseling is for an active alcoholic. Tires are blown out, man. Your skirt, you're, you're not driving anywhere. And the, and the therapist's like, let's start with an oil change. <laughs> I mean, that's nuts. You'd be like, honey, um, should we start with the tires first to actually like even make sure it can go anywhere? That's what recovery looks like. Like, let's fix the tires first and then we'll get the nuances, okay, of everything else. Um, yeah, I think I've said quite enough for today. I mean, I probably go on and on and I will in another video. But for now, if this has resonated with you, like it out loud, let other people know, share it with your sisters and brothers who you know are on the same path. And if you're ready and you need to borrow some of my certainty, you need to borrow some of my conviction, you need to borrow some of my courage, honey, I've got enough to spare. I will loan you some in a session and we can start to do this together. Why? Because you deserve to be happy. You deserve to be loved. You deserve to be seen. You deserve to be heard. You deserve to be happy. You are not crazy. It is as bad as you think it is. You are not making it up. It is not your fault. And it's time to heal. Okay? I love you. I'll see you in another video. Take excellent care or I'll see you in session. Also, if you want to start your healing now, but you're not sure about starting with sessions, you can go over to my site where I have courses that are self-study. So let's say you want to dip your toe into the water and you want to start learning about this stuff before you book a session, you can start with the recovery course, uh, which is, you know, just watch it at your leisure. That's over at HeidiRain.com too. Okay. I love you. Take excellent care and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.